Do you believe in ghosts? Good morning, evening, or afternoon, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is Ghost Stories, the podcast. Tyler here and uh, coming coming to you through either Patreon a few days before Christmas or on Boxing Day. Uh, if you decide to tune in on Boxing Day, I'd be understandable if you if you cost a few days late this year um, with our usual holiday special. Uh, we're going to do something a bit different this time around, purely because with time constraints and want to spend time do things with the family and whatnot, uh, creating a fresh episode was was a bit out of uh, out of my capacities this year around. So we're taking a look back. Uh, I've picked two festive episodes and one not so festive episode, but one I wanted to share and, and, and talk about. And we're going to listen to them. And then after each one, I will play you the origins. So just to give you a heads up, there's three episodes we're going to hear today. Our Christmas 2019, so the, the story we did last year. Uh, the Party, which I think might have been actually a 2017 story. Um, but I need to double check on that. And then The Zoo. Which is um, which is a very early one. That's that's from season two of the podcast. So uh, you'd have to be a, having been a listener for a very long time to to be aware of that one. So first up, we've got Christmas 2019 coming to you. Stay tuned afterwards, and we'll be telling you a bit more about the origin of that story. I can never sleep well in hotels. I guess that's somewhat of an understatement, though. I, I couldn't really sleep well in general, but hotels were definitely the worst. Just the thought of the previous occupant in, in the bed I was using, you know, a, a complete stranger. It was repulsive in my mind. Like, but I guess that's besides the point. What I'm getting at is how the lack of sleep in hotels really changed my life and my, my perception of things around me. So it was Christmas. We were spending Christmas in this <laughs> terrible hotel. And not with the rest of our family, just my mum, dad and my siblings. I was missing, you know, just the food. The food is what I miss most. Don't get me wrong, it's not like I didn't enjoy an all-you-can-eat buffet at the hotel of uh, just soggy, oil-soaked food for Christmas Eve. Of course, the first snow of the season, I had to cancel our flight home. It was Christmas Eve, and I was trying to sleep in this, what felt like a bleach-saturated room. My mind was wandering, just wondering what happened in here to cause such an excessive amount of bleach being needed. The room was nothing out of the ordinary. Two beds, one which I shared with my dad, and the other my sister shared with my mum. A bathroom, and a stained microwave that looked like it was in need of a good dusting. Somehow, I escaped the room and the stench of bleach into a dreamless sleep. Waking up, I could tell it was early morning. My dad was next to me snoring, and he usually wakes up before 4 a.m. It's a hangover from his military days. That's what hit me. It's Christmas. But then I realized where I was, and I was about to let this bit of bad fortune ruin my favorite holiday. Lying half awake, I just glanced across the room to check the clock and see what time it was. Not, not really moving. It was more just, you know, rolling my eyes. That's when I noticed it. Just a... It appeared to be a silhouette of a man. I, I judge about, I don't know, six foot four, six foot three on the other side of my room. He looked like he was just staring at my mum, just staring at her asleep. And I was still half asleep myself and really caught up in this moment. I couldn't help thinking, is that, is that Santa Claus? After a moment, I realized how stupid the thought was. 
and horror began to fill my head. I choked back a shriek. I knew I couldn't let him see me awake, so I quietly put my head back down, pretending to be asleep. My mind was racing. Someone was in my room, and I couldn't do anything. I was just a scrawny 16-year-old kid, and this man was built like an ox. I sat there and wondered if I could wake up my dad in time, but I knew that wouldn't work. He slept like a rock. A bucket of water couldn't wake him fast enough. I was practically in tears. I'd never felt so helpless. For a second time, I choked back a scream. He was now standing next to me. I could feel and hear his repulsive breath on my face. It smelled like he'd been eating rotten meat for a week now, with no thought to brush his teeth. If he didn't know I was awake, surely he did now. Seeing my face was contorted with fear. I just lied there with my eyes closed shut, waiting, and the breathing stopped, and I let out a sigh of relief. I heard the room door open and close. I launched myself out of bed. Nothing in that room was in disarray. My family was still asleep. That couldn't have been a dream. I couldn't have imagined it. The feeling awake as ever, a horrible idea popped into my head, and before I could push it away, I was pulling the door open. As I slowly walked out, I glanced back at the door to memorize the room number, and I was taken back by a giant spray-painted black X. Had I seen this at prior experience, I probably would have thought it was just some stupid kids. I knew better, but not enough to know what it was for. My heart skipped a beat. There he was, turning the corner at the end of the hall. Why am I doing this? I thought to myself, as I tailed him down to the parking lot. He was nowhere in sight. One moment he's walking out in the lobby, and the next, he's gone. Realizing how cold it is outside in paper-thin pajamas, I returned to the lobby. No one was around. Strange. I could swear there was a night concierge earlier. With the adrenaline wearing off, I realized how stupid and rash my actions had been. He, he could have killed me. I cursed myself back up the stairs. I knew something was wrong when I got to my floor. The door to my room was wide open. I thought to myself, I hadn't left that way, had I? Slowly, I walked inside. After a quick search of the room, I determined it's safe, and my family was still asleep. I quietly locked the door and got back into bed, and I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. I listened to my dad get up, and eventually my mom followed, but I still pretended to sleep. A few hours passed, my parents got my sisters up, and we got into the car and made our way back to the airport. Digging through my bag to find my iPod let me find something that hadn't been there in the previous day. It was a note, and it just had five words in it that I think of to this day. I knew you were awake. It's been months now since the hotel experience, maybe even years, and I'm still scared for my life. And it gets worse every day, with every note. He leaves. Well, that was Christmas 2019, which is, um, yeah, pretty, pretty unsettling story indeed. Uh, and it's actually one, I'm going to give you a really quick run through because this is quite a long episode, but essentially it was a, it was a creepypasta that was sent to us and, uh, and we were asked to include it on the podcast. And that's something we actually have quite a lot happen is we'll go to kind of creative writing sites, especially where people, you know, write their own spooky stories. And we'll ask them if we can use them, uh, if, if there's something we quite like. 
So it was written by uh, their their pen name, I guess it's Cafe Legendary. And what I'll do is include a link in the show notes if you want to know a bit more about the the writer or or have a look at their other content. So we uh, we recommend checking that out. But yeah, so it was simply that a creative story. This one was based in uh, fiction, as far as we know. They haven't indicated otherwise. Who knows? Maybe it's it's based on a, a true story from their point of view. But yeah, so now coming up next is another one of our festive episodes from season, what season was it? Season three of the podcast. So quite, quite a while ago, we, we released it. And uh, yeah, it's about someone's experience at a party, hence the name, The Party. Like, a, like with, the, uh, with Christmas 2019, make sure to stick around afterwards to hear the origin of the story. A few years ago, just before Christmas, I'd started at this new job. They'd invited me to the Christmas party, which I was excited to go to, but I was also a bit nervous because I didn't really know anyone there yet. When I arrived, the first thing I noticed was the music. It wasn't like your usual DJ kind of club mixes, but it wasn't like Christmas classics either, you know, like Slade. It was this sped up version of Jingle Bells, and it was deafening. Then there were these lights. They were, they were the Christmas tree lights, but they weren't warm and inviting. They felt kind of cold and eerie, like if you looked carefully, you might realise there were actually eyes in the dark. As I walked up the stairs to the club, I had a bit of a creepy feeling in my stomach, like I was headed somewhere dangerous. The lights in the stairwell were flickering, and it was like, you know, in a horror movie, and you'd be shouting at the screen, turn around, leave while you can. I opened the doors and I could see a really busy dance floor. I made my way through trying to find the bar, trying to find my colleagues, but I didn't really recognise anyone. I didn't know many people at work, you know, as I I said, but I, I did know some of their faces and I started to worry that I was at the wrong party. I would look really stupid and what an awful first impression. That's when I saw them. The first one I saw was my grandmother. She's been dead about 12 years and I don't really remember her that well. Then there was this old family friend, and then a school friend of mine who was killed in an accident. I turned around to take in the rest of the room and the crowd, but I felt dizzy and confused and I started to panic. What was going on? Was I seeing things? I found the toilets and I shut myself in. I couldn't comprehend what was happening and I felt like I was going crazy. I imagine that as you listen to this, you're probably thinking, Jesus, get it together. Especially later on, you'll probably think I'm a crybaby, but seriously, think about this. How would you react if everything you knew was torn apart? I wouldn't consider myself a particularly anxious person, but I was a wreck at this point, and you would be too. I decided I needed to leave. Everything had been fine until I got here. Everything was normal. I'd obviously gone to the wrong place and I just needed to find a member of staff to ask and I'm sure they'd point me in the right direction. I went to go back the way I came, but I couldn't see the door. Just a booth. Maybe it had been one of those doors that blends into the wall. I went to go back the way I came, but I couldn't see the door, just a booth. I looked around. Maybe it had one of those doors that blends into the wall. There was a bar. Um, I went to once that had a revolving 
um, bar area and I'd been queuing for ages and when I finally got to get my drink and went to walk back to my table I was on the other side of the venue without a clue how it happened. That had been pretty funny but this wasn't. So I started to list all the things that you'd do to test if you're in a dream. I read the back of a bottle, um, I stared at myself in the mirror taking in all the details in the room, I pinched myself, I ran the tap and splashed my face with cold water. It all seemed real to me and that made it much worse. I'd seen an advent candle burning out by the Christmas tree. You know the ones that they list all the days in December up until Christmas and you burn them down each day. So I went back out there and I dipped my finger into the red wax and it burned against my fingernail for a second and then it became a hard shell. So this was obviously very, very real. Thank God I finally saw my friends. There's uh, three, three women I work with in my department. So I just ran towards them shouting, Catherine, Evie, Tara. But they were glassy-eyed, just like all the rest. They were just staring, just standing there. I couldn't get through to them, and I was trying to avoid all the other people. So I was running around groups and kind of sticking close to the walls. Catherine, I shouted, and I waved. But just as I got close to them, suddenly an alarm sounded, and everyone turned. They stopped, and then suddenly ran in my direction to the door. This great horde of people and this deafening siren. I was overwhelmed. I was panicking and I thought I was going to get stampeded. I crouched down with my fingers over my ears and my eyes squeezed shut. I could feel my chest heaving with sobs, but I couldn't hear over the sound of the alarm, the crashing, the running. I kept my hands tight over my head and my facial muscles were starting to hurt from the strain of closing my eyes and I thought I was going to pass out. And then... When I opened my eyes, they took a few seconds to focus. The light was bright and I was confused. Things blurred back together and I could see a chair, a whiteboard and a fan. And I looked down and I was in bed and I was in a hospital gown. How did I get here? There was a remote control by my bed and I saw a button that said call, so I pressed it. A nurse came in, she was all smiles and she said, wakey wakey, you've woken up then. It's a bit unnecessarily perky given that I didn't have a clue what was going on. When I went to speak, my voice rasped. I cleared my throat and swallowed. The nurse said, Oh, I wouldn't worry about talking just yet, dear. It always takes a while for the voice to come back after a coma. Coma, I thought. My eyes must have widened in shock and I managed to scrape a what out of my mouth. And she said, oh yes, dear. Honestly, this woman was starting to get on my nerves. Who is this laid back about something so shocking? You've been in a coma for a couple of weeks now. We're in a new year and I'm afraid you've missed Santa. A few weeks. Was she serious? How could this have happened? It was a week before Christmas last time I checked. This is weird. She twittered on for a while about God knows what while I was trying to figure out in my head what was happening. Did I cross a time portal? Did I die? Where have I been? My family arrived shortly after. They were all excited, tearful, hugging. They gave me a newspaper. It said on the 19th of December, a car had overturned on a dangerous junction after a collision with a lorry. 
Three passengers had died and one was in a serious condition in hospital. That was me. I had driven with my friends. I don't remember that. I only remember arriving at the party. My family said I never made it there. My friends were gone. My stomach turned and I said I'm, I'm going to be sick. I was hyperventilating. How did this happen? I kept saying we went to the party. We went there. We need to get them out. My family tried to reassure me and they hit the button for the nurse. She said she said she was going to give me a sedative. She sent my family home saying this was all too much. I need some rest. I didn't want to sleep. I asked her not to make me sleep. I didn't want to go back to that party. I had a dreamless sleep and I woke up sometime in the night and the memories from that day just came flooding back to me. My finger was itching where they had one of those monitors, you know, the ones that clip over. I pulled it off, but I could see under my finger now there was something red and flaky. Something that looked remarkably like candle wax. That was the party, but I know what you really want to know is, was that story based in fact? or a pure work of fiction. Well, I'm gonna reveal right now for you, it was in fact pure fiction. It was a story written and read by my wife. And I went to her tonight and asked her, I said, what was what was the inspiration when you wrote that story? I've never really asked you before. And she, she just looked at me and said, I completely made it up when you asked me for a story. <laughs> so yes, yeah, sometimes uh, sometimes if I'm running short on, on listener content, which we've got a whole a whole heap of stuff right now, um, you've all sent in to us, so, so we should be all right for a while. But sometimes if I don't feel like writing something myself or going out and doing a bit of research and finding, finding a story we can create, I turn to my wife and say, can you make me up a spooky story? And sometimes she does deliver, so that's... That's essentially the origin of the party. Uh, I imagine she also wrote The Time of Year, where she spent a lot of time uh, again dragged around to you know, Christmas events and stuff like that. And possibly she just got a bit sick of them. Um, so yeah, you can hear my son in the background then. Uh, it is it is family time right now, and I'm trying to record this, so please excuse the, uh, the noise back there. But yeah, so finally, we're going to play one last episode, and this one is not a Christmassy one, but it's one I thought would be cool to share the origin of anyways, and it is The Zoo. So make sure to stick around afterwards to hear the inspiration behind it and, and where it came from. Now, a while back, I went with a few friends to South Africa for a few weeks. It was a last-minute trip, and admittedly, it wasn't planned very well. But it was it was a fantastic experience. Now, towards the end of our trip, we met some local guides in a bar that we became quite friendly with. They were throwing out recommendations left, right, and center of things we could do to end our trip with a real bang. Uh, things like um, skydiving, bungee jumping, um, swimming with sharks, uh, well, in a, in a cage. <laughs> and But I'm not really a thrill seeker, so none of those bits really appealed to me. But then there was a guide who was relatively quiet all night, and he piped up and, and recommended a zoo near Cape Town, where he said he can get us a VIP tour, which he said was kind of like when, when the place really came to life. So we thought, you know, that, that'd be a cool idea, so we took him up on the offer.
We exchanged details and, and agreed a time to meet the next day. The one catch he did have is we would have to apparently meet him at the zoo. As he, was, he wasn't able to meet us sooner in the day, which is fine by us as sorting our own transport seemed cheaper most of the time than, than kind of getting an excursion or, or some kind of deal with transport included. So we arrived at the zoo around, I'd say around 11 p.m., and the place was dead, which is really unusual, especially considering he said it's kind of when it comes to life. There wasn't a person in sight. In fact, it all looked a bit run down and almost abandoned. I mentioned it, but one of my friends pointed out the fact that if the zoo wasn't open to the general public at night, why, why would there be staff? You know, which which I guess makes sense. Um, you know, if if it was a VIP tour, I guess they didn't need all the usual staff, but. It didn't really put me at ease. Now, after waiting about 15 or maybe 20 minutes, we decided to call the guide to see where he was because he hadn't showed up. He finally answered on the second or the third call, maybe? He reassured us he was there, but actually he said he was held up inside and he said if we proceed in and head to the lion's den, he would meet us there and, and get the tour underway. It all seemed a bit off, and to be honest, I think I think if anyone mentioned it, we, we would probably all been happy to leave. But, you know, group mentality saw us push on into what seemed like an abandoned zoo, uh, despite you know, what, the, uh, what the guide said on the phone. As we strolled down the main path within the zoo, we, we could barely see. If, uh, it was one of those nights, it was a full moon, and that was really what supplies were like. It was lighting up the place, um, you know, in, in that dim, dim way that the moon does when it's full. We could see the zoo was overgrown and in terrible condition. So I was surprised when uh, I, I arrived to the first enclosure to see an animal inside of it. It initially put me at ease until I saw the state of the gorilla sitting. It, it was cross-legged, just staring at us. It looked as though it hadn't eaten in months, its skin almost almost hanging off its bones or muscle mass used to be. I would have believed it was dead, as, or even like the work of a taxidermist, if it wasn't for the eyes that watched us, lifeless. I, I really didn't want to be there at this point, and we walked, walked for a further 10 minutes before we came across another creature. You know, this place seemed seemed empty. Uh, this this time it was, it was a hyena enclosure. Now, we couldn't see them, but we could certainly hear them. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of hyena, but they, they cackle. And the cackle of this predator in the night is, is the most activity we'd seen since entering the zoo. So we got close to the enclosure, and as we did, the cackling stopped. And it's almost as if they, they could sense we're there and they're trying to hide. So we still watched and we waited, but nothing ever turned up. It was, uh, it seemed that area was lifeless as the rest of them. Now feeling a bit lost, we were fortunate to come across a large billboard with a map of the park and the lion's den was just around the corner from the hyena area. By this time, it was past midnight and we hadn't come across a single person in the zoo. 
yeah, a bit unusual considering it's meant to be the time when it all comes to life. So there it was, the lion's den. And as I probably should have expected, the guide wasn't there. I didn't really understand what he gained by not showing up. We hadn't paid him anything yet, so we didn't seem to be benefiting out of the situation. I suggested we give up and go home, especially as we'd already created a story to take home with us already, but the others were determined to wait it out. Like I said, I wasn't the thrill-seeking type. Finally, after about another 10 minutes or so, I, I decided to try and call the guide again. And of course he didn't answer, and he didn't call back. So there I was just standing in what felt like an empty zoo in the early hours of the morning, with nothing but moonlight to help me see. And all I could picture was the guide sitting in the bar telling stories of how he tricked another group of kids. One of the lads in the group suggested we head to the lion's den and check it out. The whole time we'd been there, he'd been looking around and trying to bait out any creatures inside. And he was convinced nothing was alive in there, so naturally he wanted to go in. Because what else do you do when you're next to a lion's den in a zoo? Now this was <laughs> this was the stupidest of ideas, but also it was one of those all or nothing situations. Especially given the, the fact that the other two wanted to check it out. And frankly, I, I was more concerned about being on my own than uh, chancing it in this seemingly abandoned lion's den, if you could believe that. The three of them, they just waited for my acknowledgement that I'd join in. So I waited up. If there's anything in there, judging by the state of that one creature we saw so far, surely it wouldn't be healthy enough to chase me anyway, right? It's funny to look back and see how idiotically you justify things in a frightening situation. If I were watching this happen in a film, I'd be said, I go, no, don't do it, turn around and leave. Unfortunately, it was too late for that. The den was immensely overgrown, um, so much so that we were actually able to use the growth to climb down the side without any issues. It, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it had a surprising number of what looked like hidden little caves. I guess, I guess that's where the lines escaped and how they moved around out of view if needed to be, and maybe how the the people who worked at the zoo got in there to clean out and, and feed them. So we inspected the area for probably around five minutes. It felt like longer, but I think it was five minutes. And I was hoping it would be out of their system by now, so I suggested we make a move out of there. But the others wanted to journey deeper in. So I put forward a compromise. I'd call the guide one more time. If he was near, we'd get out so as not to get caught in the den. However, if he didn't answer, we'd go deeper in. I was now placing my hopes of escaping this place in the hands of the guide who didn't show up. I dialed the phone. I hear ringing down the line. And then we hear ringing in the den. My heart sinks and everyone slowly turns to look at me as I hang up. And the ringing stops. <laughs> I just stood there silently, almost feeling weak in my knees. Then one of the others said, ring it again. Why would I do that? I replied. Although there was part of me that 
that did want to call it again just to, you know, see if this is some kind of weird coincidence. So I dialed again. The phone rang. And ringing starts to come from deep within the den. The four of us slowly proceeded into the den, following the sound of the ring, which got louder as we got deeper. We came to a sharp corner in the cave-like area, but by then the phone line went dead. The answer phone picked up, so I hung up. I dialed again as we were around the corner, but what I saw made me drop my phone. It looked like human remains, but not not fresh human remains. Bones covered in dust, webs and overgrowth. We stood and stared in shock. All of us just almost drained of energy to move. I jumped back to life as the same ringing as before begins. The phone was on the ground next to the human remains and I could clearly see it was my number on the screen. That was the final straw. I picked up my mobile, hung it up and began to run. The others followed screaming and shouting all the way. As before, we ran around the zoo with nothing more than the light of the moon guiding us until finally we came across the first real sign of life we'd seen, two security guards. They demanded to know what we were doing and we anxiously tried to explain the situation, but they took no interest to believe in what we said. To them, we were just nothing more than a group of kids causing trouble and they sent us on our way. We left two days later and I didn't really discuss what happened the night with my friends. However, when I got home, I did a little research into the zoo and really couldn't believe what we uncovered. Apparently, some say that a drifter would scam tourists by breaking them into the zoo at night and taking them on so-called VIP tours. However, the zoo was closed without reason in 1975. Although rumor has it, it was because the body of said drifter was discovered in the lion's den. Okay, that was The Zoo, but was it based in fact or a pure work of fiction? Well, it was completely made up, which means tonight we have a clean sweep of three episodes that were all all pure works of fiction, which I didn't intend on when I started this process, but that's where we are. So for this one, I actually wrote it myself. It's it's come from me. Um, my son's here watching me, so excuse the noise. Uh, um, I, I wrote it specifically to experiment a bit more with the usage of sound effects within stories, which is, um, is something we hadn't really done too much before that, but now we, we occasionally still do today, uh, purely because of this episode. And it's something uh, that, yeah, I always want to try for a long time, but I don't like to kind of overuse it too much. Uh, I still like to rely on kind of the music of the stories to, to build the atmosphere. So that's it. Christmas 2019, The Party and The Zoo, all based in fiction, all from very different places. But I hope you enjoyed revisiting all of them. So I'm going to leave you with that for now. I hope you've all had a great holiday season, brilliant Christmas, um, spent time just relaxing and, and recharging. And we will be back in 2020 in the first week or so with a brand new episode. So that's all from us. Take care and don't stop asking, do you believe in ghosts?